y'all talkers up in here. It's time to keep it down right now. Shh. Shh. Back at you. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Talking to the Screen. It's your girl, Trine Bean, and we are here with another very special episode of our show. This is going to be the first doubleheader in the history of Talking to the Screen, and I have two very capable debaters here with me today. Um, I got my girl Miranda here. You know her, you love her, that new 90s kid. Um, she's going to be performing at the Station Theater later on this week and more this over the summer and the spring and we'll be keeping you guys posted on that with the improv troupe whiskey belly what's up miranda hi hi everybody this is miranda yeah we got so much prepared this is gonna be the first double header i face so bear with me <laughs> man this is crazy like this this is your second show in a row too i don't know if you can hear but i got notes today that's what's up uh and joining us for the first time is Rain Coleman from Carefully Black Nerd, Carefree Black Nerds. Let me let me say that. Hey, what's up, Rain? <laughs> Nothing. I'm a little nervous, but uh, you got me shaking in my boots. But I'm ready. Uh, no, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. And um, uh, let me not embarrass myself too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. Like Miranda, will tell you, your first show is. It's a little weird, but it's always fun. Yeah. It's always fun. Every day is fun when I was on the show. That's what's up. Okay, so we all know Black Panther came out last month. And, um... thought four times. What? Crossed the billion dollar mark this month. So shout out to everybody involved. And, uh... (laughs) Air horns. Thank you, Miranda. Thank you for the air horns. (laughs) And, uh... You're welcome. If you want to hear my thoughts on Black Panther, you can check out Carefree Black Nerds, where I talk to Rain about it. And Rain also talks to some other brilliant Black creatives about the movie and our thoughts. And it is all amazing. Yes, yes, absolutely. Please check the Carefree Black Nerd feed for that. Midterms, the first Midterms episode featured you and I learned a lot myself. So check it out, y'all. It was dope. And um, so in honor of Black Panther and in honor of... A Wrinkle in Time coming out this month. We have some very awesome topics for you guys today. So we're going to talk about the most iconic Black movie soundtrack because the Black Panther soundtrack is amazing and everybody loves it. Um, we're going to talk about the best I Black... I have it in my car. I can't get enough of it. Steffi can't stop listening to it. That's all, that's like all she's been listening to lately. Um, we're going to talk about the best Black movie adapted from a book like Wrinkle in Time, which... Might not have necessarily in people's minds been black, but it is kind of now associated with black women and women of color. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, because two black directors are sitting at the number one and the number two spot in the country this year for uh, film releases, which is almost unprecedented, we are going to debate the best black director because that is amazing. (laughs) All right, we going to do this. Shout out to Ryan Coogler and Ava DuVernay. And we're going to jump yes. right in with most iconic black movie soundtrack. Miranda, what is the most iconic black movie soundtrack? All right, so good people. The most iconic black movie soundtrack would have to be the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack because you had the Queen Mother, Whitney Houston, MJB, that's Mary J. Blige for y'all, and Brandy, especially with the top two hits of the song, well, top three in my opinion, 
well, top four, because now I saw Tony Braxton was on there, and I didn't know Tony Braxton's Let It Flow soundtrack was on there, but you had bangers like Let It Flow. You had bangers like basically Shoop, Exhale. Then Whitney jumped back with Cece on Count On Me. Then she did a song, Why Does It Hurt So Bad? And of course, we can't forget the Black Woman's Anthem of Miss MJB, Not Gonna Cry. I mean, 11 years of sacrifice, I was your lover and your secretary, I should have left you as a thousand times, a thousand times, that lets you know she was pissed, but you just had it so to the point where it was all just classic, like empowering, like relaxing, like just make you feel good to be a black woman with your narrow comic skin and everything. So this is why it's my favorite soundtrack because even though the movie did have its moments, it was just, the soundtrack was empowering. It showed you the hurt feeling of a woman, but it shows you that you can just soar. I love it. Rain, what you got? Well, what I have is another uh, walk down memory lane. We have New Jack City. New Jack City's soundtrack was simply amazing. Though I may have been too young to be listening to or watching that <laughs> film back in the day, I still Wait, how old are you now? lay up under some cousins and uncles and aunties and listen to it still. Um, I think the album speaks for itself. Uh, Ice-T, Christopher Williams, Guy, Johnny Gill, Keith Sweat, Queen Latifah, Color Me Bad, Essence, F S Effect, like two live crew, like... The track list alone, not even the list, the, the various artists alone should be enough to put this in the top 10, if not the top three, of the most amazing black-ass soundtracks. Um, even further than that, just the movie itself. Now, I'm not focusing on the movie, but this is just an extension of, you got that New Jack swing-infused hip-hop and R&B, like... That's nostalgia on top of nostalgia wrapped in nostalgia, which is all good music. So take a bite of this New Jack City and get you some. Like, this is a damn good album, period. Oh, my God. This is going to be hard. A damn good album. <laughs> this is going to be okay. hard. All right. Y'all duke it out. Why is your opponent's album not better than yours? First of all, let's just be clear. The movie was good. The soundtrack, eh, we already knew New Jack Swing was coming before New Jack City, okay? There are reasons why New Jack City was the title. Now, here's why Mines is the best, because you had the Queen Mothers on the soundtrack. You had Brandy sitting up in her room. You had Whitney. You had Cece. Cece coming out of her pedestal of gospel, putting herself on this sultry, well, sort of sultry, but not really sultry, album on just letting people know that your homegirl can count on you. And Tony Braxton, Let It Flow, come on. Now, we can talk about New Jack City, the movie, but the soundtrack, nobody will remember, especially the fact that your boy, Mr. Christopher Wallace, or Williams, whatever his name is, only had one hit. One hit wonder. That's it. We never heard anything was, else from him. Don't get me wrong. He's a great singer. He's great. He can kill it. But he didn't kill it any force to succeed. I was waiting for him to be a Lonnie Williams. He just died on the O. So please, inspire me and let me know why mine's not the best. Come on. Uh, okay. Well, I'll give you this. 
As misogynistic as it may sound, it seems as if Waiting to Exhale's album was only for women. Now, me and me have picked it up and listened to it and enjoyed it, but it was targeted to women and women alone. The black experience rapper, you know, had to... What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I mean, what's wrong with empowering your sisters? What's wrong with just letting them know that we're not all just anger upset for no reason? We have rights to be. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm with that all day long, but you also look at the time in which it was filmed and then the music came out. That was... The 90s, that was, you know, all fine and good, great, let's have these great movies and whatnot. But this New Jack City kind of transcends that. This is hip-hop. This is for everybody. It's not just give me a he hurt me bad, which is fine. I think those stories should be told. But when it comes to that soundtrack... It's more than a he hurt me bad album. I mean, if you listen to Brandy sitting in my room thinking about you, I must confess I'm a mess with you, she eventually gets the guy. If you saw the video, she gets my man from Clueless. I can't remember his name, but he... Dion, that's why I call him. But... Come on now. And Faith Evans, I forgot about Faith Evans kissing you. First of Mm -hmm. all, it's basically just telling a story on the fact of how our ups and downs as women are to when it comes to relationships. We have suffered, we have good times, we have memories, we have everything. But most of all, we have each other. And I like it because it's empowering. When you Mm -hmm. hear about New Jack City, you hear about the movie. You didn't realize till five minutes later, oh, what? They got a soundtrack? What? I didn't even know that. What, and what then, do you mean? <laughs> you wouldn't know that going into it. Like this is, the whole movie was a soundtrack. The soundtrack is an extension of the movie itself. You I listened to this, now I'm playing it over and over for the last couple of weeks or so, because I did really like the soundtrack. And <laughs> I'm I'm seeing the movie. Now I may be viewing it through these nostalgia eyes, but if I am, then you're guilty of the same with waiting to exhale, because though it was a great soundtrack. Where is it being? I am not now? guilty of it, sir. I am just fact of the matter is this was a time where you had the leading women of R and B, well, just pop trust period, bringing forth to light that you can be this way, you can be empowering and in your melancholic skin. Okay, and first of all. Teddy Riley's originator of the New Jack City and coined the phrase New Jack City's moves, the New Jack City yeah. ways. So, like, eh, that's all you can't get. That's all you get. You don't really get the sense, but you only really focus on Nino Brown making $5 out of the change. It's a five-hour ass out before you make change, basically. <laughs> but not with the soundtrack. The movie, you can put that all on the movie all day long, be it bad, good, or whatever. You cannot deny that. But out that's of this all we movie remember, the soundtrack. Amazing. That's all we remember, the soundtrack. And that one dreaming yeah. in the head. That's pretty much <laughs> it. And the fact that I didn't even realize my boys from uh, LaVert got the living for the city, that wasn't even theirs. It was Stevie's. Okay? That's it was That's <laughs> and you don't really hear any much more about the soundtrack other than LaVert, other than Christopher Williams, and other than the person who was the founder member of the phrase New Deck City, Guy, a Teddy yeah. Riley. All right, all right, Miranda, 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 <laughs> Miranda, let him talk, let him talk a little bit. Right. Take a breath, take a breath. You can say that. Let's, let's, we can say the same for Waiting to Exhale. Like, where is that soundtrack? Nowadays, we we both, you know, got some nostalgic albums, but I feel as if you throw this on in the club, 
everybody jamming regardless. Everything is, uh, what is it? Uh, cyclical, cyclical. Is everybody jamming to Whitney Houston? Shoot, okay? Shoot. No, I, and I shoot. get that, but what shoot. I'm saying is now you you take some, let me see, 17 to 22-year-olds, throw them in the club, throw on New Jack City, or throw on Waiting to Excel. Which one of these albums is going to have you hopping in the club? Because, hell, that, that 90s shit is coming back, but that 90s R&B ain't being played in the club. Like, that, that's just not. So I feel like you don't know how Whitney can do it, sir. You do not know how Whitney can do it. And today. if it gets real late at night and they play the MJB, they going to say, oh, shit, because they know that's going to be the hit. That's going to be the shit. Everybody going to sing along. We ain't talking about bouncer. We just talking about, like, that damn, that's good. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Now, I don't know. I think I think my album embraced by kids nowadays would do a, a lot better than waiting to exhale. Being these kids, to my kids are nowadays. born in freaking then waiting to exhale. Waiting to exhale came on. They don't know about New Jack City. We may know about New Jack City, even though we were and, toddlers. Right, but but, but that's what I'm saying. Know. Even knowing about it aside, playing the album alone, fuck the movie, like just the album, just put the, the soundtrack on. That's what I'm focused on. Like he said, every you got Bruno Mars bringing back the uh, "In Living Color." You got um, fashion now is like the '90s is quote unquote coming back. That being said, pulling anything, just the visuals from the movie, but mainly the music from the soundtrack. What I'm saying is, I feel like my album would stand the test of time now versus a waiting to exhale because kids would latch on to that. You got the that, upbeat music. I would have to disagree with you, my dear sir, because they will always still cherish the soundtrack. They will cherish the fact that they got a song called Count On Me. They will cherish the fact of shooting, shoot, shoot, shoot. They oh, 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 oh I see that. I mean, it's good yes. to cherish it and have that it's warm feeling for that, but then I think that's an extension of the movie. Like you said, my movie, it was trash or whatever. That's fine, but my soundtrack stood the test of time. And yes, we can lay and pillow talk all day long listening to Waiting to Excel, but I'm sure we're going to throw on some some that's some mumble rap or something to cake with our booze on the phone now as 19, 20 year olds versus a waiting to exhale album. That's something that you know your your auntie or your mama or your big cousin me speaking as if I was nineteen. Well, I mean, but they will not not play yours because they'd be like, "Who that?" They rather go for the yachty. They rather go for that one night. Gonna be uh, uh, alive. They're not gonna go for don't break me. Don't dream All right. It's time like we get into the closing arguments. I'm gonna let everybody close their arguments out. Uh, Miranda, real quick recap. Why yours is better, why Reigns isn't better. Real quick. MJB. Whitney Houston. Freaking Tony Braxton, Brandy, they all were empowering you to be this bomb black goddess, okay? They're going to show you the stories of being hurt, but they're also going to show you the fact that you can count on you, you can count on yourself, or you can count on your friends. Basically, an album brings mellowness to your life. You want to be sweating, or do you need some mellow, steady moments in your life? I don't want to be sweating and popping and trying to do every whop there is. I'll look around and break my neck. Rain, close the argument. All right. Uh, all in all, New Jack City, like I said, is bomb as hell. Listen to just the first two tracks on y'all. We've already sampled, uh, what is it, uh, I'm Dreaming by Christopher Williams. 
Additionally, yeah, you ain't trying to pop lock and drop it on the phone, kicking with your boo. You also ain't trying to fall asleep on the phone or driving or in the club listening to some waiting to exhale. If any one of these songs, you will not fall asleep. It's random. It's close. If any of these songs were updated today or remixed by any of the artists, be it a mumble rapper, be it a Cardi B, or anything, this shit would still be hot. Yes, you would be hot with the waiting to excel, but you ain't having the same reach as the New Jack City original or a New Jack City soundtrack remake. All right. Oh, I disagree. <laughs> Those are some really good arguments. Um, and what I want to start doing on this show, too, this is also going to be a first. Well, not really a first, but I want to do some fact checking real quick. Okay. And one of the things I wanted to point out was that... Uh, Teddy Riley actually produced this soundtrack. And so this whole creation of New Jack Swing through this soundtrack isn't necessarily after New Jack Swing. It is actually right there with it because it's Teddy Riley's soundtrack. Um, you know, I, I, huh? <laughs> no, I'm saying I, look, I pulled up my Wikipedia when I was writing my notes and I saw that when I was in the heat of the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's no, I guess like it, you'll get it because I hope hopefully we'll get you we'll get to have you back for another fight. You'll get you'll get the hang yes. of it. Like, um, but we usually never do. And like I said, we usually never do fact checking. Uh, this okay. is like this is like one of the first times I'm like really doing this. And New Jack City reached number one on the hip hop and R and B uh, charts, and number two on the Billboard 200. Yes, um, yes. For waiting to exhale, I mean Miranda, you could have spouted off a whole list of <laughs> shit. This thing won so many awards and had so many charted <laughs> singles on so many different charts in different countries. And like the soundtrack went seven times platinum. Uh, it was just, it was ridiculous. It won a Grammy. Who won the Grammy? I think. But you didn't listen in your arguments. I'm just listing the facts. Uh, I'm just saying, I know. Shoop won, okay, yeah, Shoop won the Grammy. I don't know. Babyface did like the whole album. Left Eye did some producing for the TLC song. SWV's also on there. Shaka Khan's also on there. Um, Patti LaBelle's on there. Shantae Moore. It's, I mean, it's like a murderer's row of women <laughs> singers. It's really ridiculous. Okay, but that's just fact checking. Based on the arguments, though, hmm, based on the arguments, all right. This, like I said, this is gonna be tough. Um, based on the arguments, I'm actually gonna go with Rain's argument because Rain presented a few more reasons why waiting to exhale wasn't as good, and one of the main reasons was that the nine, not just that it would do well now, or that it's aged well, that it's aged better than the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack, which it has. It's, but it's also the 90s are in vogue again. And that's when he said Bruno Mars and finesse like that is actually like a huge point to make that this sound, this new Jack sound is back and in effect. And it has helped this album age well. And without it, today's current sound doesn't exist. And you can make an argument that 90s without 90s R&B doesn't exist either. Without new Jack swing and this mixture of hip hop and R&B, you definitely don't get what we have today. And it is a little bit more inclusive. It does have women and men on it. And 
I can understand how some people would feel excluded from the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack. And Miranda, all you said against New Jack City was that it didn't have no hits and it had like one song on it. But you did do a good job saying that it was empowering and it was a feel-good album and it had hit after hit after hit. Because it did. And um, I mean, New Jack City had a murderer's row too of just 90s New Jack Swing artists. But Rain gets the point for the first round. So shout out Rain. And we are going to move on to the next fight, which is best black movie based on a book. All right. All right. Since you give point out. Go ahead, Mr. Rain. Rain, I'm going to let you go first and do your overview. Okay. <laughs> which got? is in a surprising turn of events. My best would be waiting to exhale. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, yeah, waiting to excel. All right, what was it? <laughs> Alrighty. So, much to Miranda's point in the first round, waiting to excel was an amazing film, um, based off an amazing book by an amazing author, Terry McMillan. Uh, for, it was one of those movies where, of course, the book is always better, but this had a powerhouse of stars not the smallest name of which being whitney freaking houston angela freaking bassett mm-hmm. coming off of the black panther high is enough <laughs> en- enough of motivation to go and see everything that this woman has done but we also had and i know i'm going to butcher her name leela roshan who that was her breakthrough role was as a robin yeah um and she went on not to do as much as the other two ladies but you can't really compare to those two but the fact that this was also forrest ridicker's directorial debut off of a book written by a black woman in the 90s where being black was nouveau. It was this thing where, oh, we got to get a bunch of black movies, a bunch of black films, a bunch of black uh, music and soundtrack. It was like a renaissance of such. And this movie with an all African-American cast was one of the spearheaders of that movement. Blackness, blackness, and women, black women. Like, again, mic drop, you can't get better than black women in the 90s just to start. Miranda, who you got? Oh, hi. Hi, how are you? Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) what I got is this film called Having Our Say, The Delaney Sisters' First 100 Years. The reason why I picked this because this was a book about the sisters of Miss Delaney, Sadie, and Miss... Annie, Betsy, Delaney. Now, these lovely ladies have lived their lives through the Jim Crow years until the late 90s. So that means one was 105, the other one was 108. One was the first black doctor, Dennis, and had their own practice in Harlem and everything. The other one was a teacher. But basically, these women were phenomenal. And it starred Miss Diane Carroll and Miss Ruby D. God, I love her. Mm. Basically, they showed the film on how black excellence throughout was portrayed throughout the years, where Papa Delaney was the president of a white institution for the first time. A black professor was there, had her own house, had like people like Booker T. Washington, everything, how they strive throughout their lives during the years where they went through and saw Jim Crow, the racism isms that it is and how they strive to like become professionals how Betsy Delaney was basically getting 
failed examination twice just because she was black. But without her white counterparts letting them know, why don't we switch tests and showing the fact that one got the highest score, but it was Bessie's test and the other one was the white woman's test and the professor's like, you're lucky just to be here. You see how tough this Bessie Delaney and her sister Sadie were. Now, granted, they didn't have children, nor were they married, but they stuck together. You see these two women having their say and letting them know that throughout Jim Crow, throughout all the obstacles in their way, they were going to survive. They were going to have their say. And even though this white lady interviewed them for the times and they weren't having its ands or buts about it, they let them basically know, like, if the world needs us to say something, we'll say it, which made into a book, a play, and which made it into TV, which is why I love it. It showed actress, once again, Miss Anika Noni Rose. Well, I'm sorry, not Anika Noni Rose. I always get her and Audrey McDonald confused. But <laughs> you show Black Excellence, basically Della Reeves, Clinton Powell, and, oh boy, off a different world that played um, Jada Pinkett's boyfriend, but I can't remember his name, but he was a very good actor. Uh, oh. No, Jada Pinkett's boyfriend. Okay, never mind. Yeah, the you know the guy that played Jada Pinkett's boyfriend on a different world, him, but basically it showed you how Black Excellence was throughout the histories and that these women were taking part in sewing your names in the stone. Alrighty, y'all fight it out. Why is your movie better? Okay, so what's good, Mr. Rain? So, um, basically, I have to go back to what we talked about on soundtrack. Basically, you're talking about how don't nobody want to basically remember just being sad, miserable, tired women and all that. I mean, you had only the hit (laughs) was Miss Angela Bessich burning the man's car. You had poor, um, I forgot her name that fast, but basically she was cooking up this meal, but really she really couldn't cook up a man until she cooked up Mr. <laughs> um, tap Dancing Man himself. Yeah, yeah. And he had to like tell her, like, no, I didn't want all the meal. I wanted you. And she was so scared. Then you had Miss Robin, who was with a married man. I mean, come on. Basically, half mm-hmm. these women were basically with people that were already in relationships. I mean, what's that say about black excellent women? How are you going to have a good soundtrack about supporting black excellence and they were in their turmoil and touch with all these previous relationships with different men? Like, it was not a good outlook. And you had freaking the mama. I don't believe it was Whitney Houston's mama. I want to say that she played her mama in the film, but I don't remember right now because yeah. Mine's like going in and out, but basically telling her what to do. It was like, come on now, come on now. Now, I know you're yeah. going to say nobody remembers having our faces with Lane's sisters, but I remember because that embarked my mind. They'll play on BT every time and respect your elders. <laughs> what is this? Honey? Good. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, I'll say this this movie was based off a book that was written by a black woman. Though the issues or the drama in the novel, the fictional novel, which there needs to be drama if there is no, what's the point of reading it? It's not factual. Uh, was written by a black woman, a black woman who happened to get this movie on screens, 
by a black woman in the 90s. Though you're presenting me with these women who have done amazing things over their lifespan, it's still historical, and that's not what everyone is always wanting to see. Though the women in my film may have been quote-unquote downtrodden or sad, they're still written from a perspective of a black woman, which gives them more agency, which gives them more nuance than if some man just said, I'm going to write these four women, and they're at the service of a man. That's not what it is. Also, in the 90s, these are things that people actually dealt with. These are things that people are dealing with today. If you look at things like insecure, girlfriends, Sex in the City, though Sex in the City are is white women, that is a successful film, excuse me, uh, TV yeah, show that so turned to that film. Back. And we're talking about Molly based. Collins, not the other way around, not the colonizers. I'm sorry, no, no. spoiler alert. Say it again. Yeah. No, I didn't hear you. Say that again. I said we're, we're talking about Melly Collins, not colonizers. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, much like in the TV show Friends, was just biting off a living single, the same can be said for Sex and the City, which had success on its own based off of something that black women had already established. So though what you're telling me is beautiful, the history is wonderful, it's rich and all that good stuff, again, this is something that is written by a black woman. It has the agency, the nuance, the the, the complexity, the drama. And these are basically autobiographies of two black woman themselves who lived throughout the history, throughout the era, who mm -hmm. surpassed come the hundred year mark. That is amazing. Great. And it's right. That if is that's amazing. That's so good for slavery, them. What I'm saying Jim is Crow, if you've seen basically everything in the life, both the good and the bad and the ugly about racism mm -hmm. and still strive to be successful with or without the help of a white man, you mm -hmm. did it on your own. I say yes, yes to Miss Betsy Delaney and yes, yes to Miss Sadie for getting her education regardless. And yeah. basically, this was an awesome film, okay? You have to believe that everything was awesome about these two women, these powerful women. They didn't have to be Miss Angela Bassett or Miss Whitney Houston as much as they want to get their names in life. There were two there were two girls in Harlem, New York, who come from a father who was a freed man at the age of seven and went on to be a successful president of a PWI. All and right. All right. All right. All right. Oh, no, I'm saying, okay, that's based off a true story. And again, I give you your acolytes, your credit and all that. But waiting to exhale again, I'm going to drive on the fact that a black woman wrote a book that became a film that was headlined by some of the most amazing black women that we've had in entertainment over the last 20 years. Not only is it an amazing book and a film to me, it is an amazing book and film to the general public, being that it made $82 million in the box office of a budget of $16 million, which pretty much not doubled, but tripled what it was cost to have made the movie. Not even involving the names of it. And like you said before, the soundtrack was a fucking hit, period. So though what you're saying is this amazing uh, book, autobiography that became this series of shows or films or whatever... That's dope. I'm taking nothing away from that. All I'm saying is if I'm going to watch a film, I'm not always in a mood for a slave narrative or a woe is me, however historically accurate it may be. It was never woe is me. It was actually excel. empowering the fact that they got accepted into a white institution and the fact that they basically, one, built their own dentist office built, building, owned it, 
a black woman owned it in the 1920s, her own dentistry. Another one was just a school teacher. And the fact that they lived to be, one lived to be 105, the other one lived to be 108. True blessings indeed. Good for them. <laughs> Congrats on living long. But again, not taking away from the acolytes. And having their say. Having yeah. their say. Now, mm-hmm. normally nobody so, want to hear what the old heads got to say, but when you look at the film, you appreciate them for what they did. They didn't have to do all what they have to do. They didn't have to share the fact that they knew Booker D. Washington. They didn't have to share the fact that their father, again, was a free man, now owns a freaking president of the white institution, had suffered through Jim Crow and had to like be like well established, basically settle for less. They're awesome. Now I get what you're saying that these black women made history. It was a Tracy McEllis did her thing, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, In a time I have where to say is, were capitalized we appreciate by running the show back then. That's what I'm saying. This, although yours, your pick is awesome, it's great. I give you your kudos. But for this, women around this time were not dealing with your film. They were dealing with dating a man, uh, the stereotype of being a welfare queen, um, the uh, uh, crack in, in the black community, all these different things where if I'm going to the movies back in the 90s, it is to escape. And if I have to see beautiful Whitney Houston dealing with dating a married man and with Robin dealing with having an abortion, spoiler alert, for like 20-year-old movie, but if I have to watch <laughs> black women on film, there's a time and space for both of our films, but I feel as if around the time that this film came out, most people would have went to see Waiting to Exhale, and your film would have been played on the HBCU's campus, which is not downgrading an HBCU. I'm saying that's where it would probably be played religiously versus the masses going out to support this film that some may have did it because of Whitney Houston and Angela Bassett. But again, this is a movie that made hand over fist more than what it takes to make the movie from a black woman's thoughts into a book onto the screen where not only did black people go see this film, but whites included. And we have so many spinoffs today in the television realm because of things like this, Waiting to Excel, which was one of the first of its kind as it relates to four black women in an all African-American cast making triple the money it took to make the movie. And now fast forwarding to 2018, having an insecure girlfriends, a sex in the city, all these amazing um, TV shows that copy the same concept Four women, regardless of race, hanging out and going through trials and tribulations of dating men, women, non-binary or whatever. You're not going to get the same effect from your film, although historic and accurate and beautiful and amazing and everything that happened, you just won't get the same effect. 2018 and we can never sleep on Diane Carroll and Ruby D. Um, and you can't. No, Richard Roundtree's <laughs> in this. Della Reese is in this. Now, Richard Roundtree's playing Booker T. Washington, which I find weird, but you know, this was made. When was this movie made? 
This was made, I think, in the late 90s. This was made in 99. Terrence Howard oh, couldn't wow. have could, Terrence Howard could have been Booker T, but... Um, because <laughs> he was like in Sparks, Sparks, and Sparks. Like, he could have been Booker T. Washington. But, um... What was I going to say? Show? No, those were really good points. Um, and I do have to watch Having Our Say now, like, that you brought yeah, up. Yeah, same. Same. Good, good, amazing choice, uh, Miranda. Like, seriously, that... You said Della Reese, and I, I clenched. I clenched my purpose. Bro, like... <laughs> yeah, she dated a white man, basically. Bro, they was, yeah, they was on. Like, these niggas was on. Like, I need to read this book while I'm at it. But <laughs> Yeah, you do. But yeah, Rain, Rain did have an excellent argument. That was an excellent argument, Rain, especially about the budget and the much-needed drama. I told you to go and give yeah. that man points. I, 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 I got this. I got this. I can handle this. Uh, yeah, and really the what took it over was the inspiring of these female ensemble casts. Because we actually did a show where we debated the best black female ensemble cast, and it was out of Waiting to Exhale, Set It Off, and Dreamgirls. Right. And Waiting to Exhale does come on the tail of Dreamgirls on Broadway, but this is like, you said, this is our first time seeing this on film. Like, this is, it's not the first time, because I guess you could say Raisin in the Sun, but it was huge. It was huge, and it was weird, and I remember being mad that I couldn't see it, because I definitely didn't know what it was about, but I was like, this looks like something I should be watching. And my mother was like, absolutely not. It's right, right, right. Not for you. Um, but I watched it when I got older and I loved it. Um, so yeah, we're going to get, so we're going to get waiting to exhale the point. And we are going to go to our final fight, which is the best black director, which has been coming for a long, this is like one of the first things I was like, we have to talk about this. We have to debate this. All right, let's get ready to rumble. Let's go, Miranda. Uh, you leading us off. Who you got? I got the man, the man, the man, Mr. John Singleton. First of all, he was the first, the first young person to ever be nominated, the first black young person to be nominated for an Academy Award Best Director for Baby Boy. Well, not Baby Boy, Boys in the Hood. I was about to say, ain't no way somebody... I know. I was I know. I was myself too much and I need to pull back in. So, <laughs> Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood. He had Boys in the Hood with Mr. Ice Cube, Mr. Tuberton Jr., Mr. Morris, freaking sexy chestnut, Mr. Larry Fishburne. His name is Larry. Then he had higher learning. Omar Epps and Tyler Banks got killed. And I don't know why he killed Tyler Banks in that movie, but damn it. You had Poetic Justice with Mr. Tupac and Miss Janet Jackson, Hustle and Flow, where the world introduced us to Taraji people. Baby Boy introduced us. We knew her and Baby Boy, but the world knew Taraji P and Hustle and Flow. And then you had movies like The Black Snake Moan, where <laughs> you had <laughs> Samuel Jackson chain that white girl and tell her, I expect you to be ready for dinner. You need to get the illness out of here. That was John you Singleton had- did Black Snake Moan? That's his film. That's crazy. He did Black Snake Moan. He did Four Brothers. Now, Four Brothers is the movie where Tyrese, um, Mr. Andre 3000 make his acting debut, Mr. Mark Wahlberg. It was like a very classic. He did Woo. He did Badass, The Life of Mr. Mario Van People's Daddy. He did Rosewood. 
as the Rose did not have to get killed in Rosewood, but yes. And then, what director you know had this black excellent accolade and then turn around and do Too Fast, Too Furious for a world saw Tyree. So, I just have to say, Mr. John Singleton, give this man his credit, his dues, because years later, last year, he had produced a film called, well, TV show called Snowfall. I mean, this man never waits. He sees pro-blackness. He is for the black cause. He does it for the black lives before we said Black Lives Matter. If you saw him during the trial of Mr. Rodney King and then quit the freaking cops, the fools. But anyways, this man showed his accolades. He went from being a security guard, Pee Wee Herman, to this great and talented director that gives us these remarkable films like Baby Boy, who did Pinkett and Tommy Lee Davis, and so much more. And I think he deserves his credit. He should have got an Oscar for Boys in the Hood because don't nobody know how it goes on in the hood when you're just chilling. Oh uh, that was my weak interpretation of Ice Cube, but you know what I mean. <laughs> All right, right. Who you got? Well, um, I would invite you all to take a few steps back a couple decades right after, I say right before New Jack City, um, onto Spelman's campus where School Days was born. Uh, Spike Lee. Spike Lee for me is one of the, if not the greatest black directors that we have out there. Um, everything, kudos to John Singleton and the amazing things he's done, but Spike freaking Lee. There's not a movie that is in his repertoire, his uh, resume, that is not either on or tangentially near the black pantheon of iconic black movies, period. Spike Lee has done backflips on top of backflips on top of cartwheels uh, to get out films, projects that encompass the black experience in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Everything doesn't relate to everybody, but everybody can see a little bit of themselves or someone they know in the films that he's put out consistently, regardless of whatever drama he's been in in his personal life, be it arguing with other people or not. His resume has always stood true and strong with his films that he has put out himself, his vision. That's it. The resume list is long as hell. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Y'all duke it out. Y'all have some. These are basically uh, the heavyweights. Okay, so let me talk you about your man named Spike. First of all, he did have some heavyweights. I'll give him that. But we will not forget the fact that he fucked up Chirac. Had us believing like it was going to be something out of something, but it was nothing out of nothing. Yeah, my man, John Singleton, he took the life of a baby boy, a basically a fuck boy as we know nowadays, and told you the story of how it is when... You are trying to be a hustler while taking care of your baby mamas and trying to be all this around guy trying to be faithful and loyal and have these temptation of demons behind and don't know where it is. Then you have poetic justice where we see this woman who wants to be strive and strong and then you finally see an opportunity in a postman to go to freaking Oakland, California, basically Northern California, and just basically let go of all this strong anger demeanor and let go. Then you have higher learning where he shows you that even though I love school days, 
but it really didn't give you the full credit of how it is for an HBCU mm-hmm. now or right here. Whereas higher learning shows you how it is for black people just trying to survive in a PWI. And boys in the hood, may I say more, it always been dealt with how you're trying to live, trying to survive, trying to do what it needs to be in the hood. And then when you have hustling and flow, John Singleton is a hustler, and it's all about hustle in his movies. <laughs> Rosalind will show you the protection, the basically of how it is for a black man to even try to be human. A white woman claims rape every now and then, mm-hmm. always want to kill everybody in their person. Then you have John Singleton also revamp Jeff. Now I'll admit. I was hesitant at first when he revamped Jeff, especially casting Mr. Samuel Jackson. But John mm-hmm. Singleton single-handedly took what we all thought was just this knight in shining armor, go-getter, and always got to F the women, into a true human, a true, basically, knight. And just do what it needs to be in order to strive, in order to get justice. And John Singleton is all about justice, all for justice, all doing everything. He is a hustler, he's a go-getter, and I think, no disrespect to you, man, Mr. Spike, he should have gotten the war before him, so. <laughs> okay, well, I will take Chirac and I'll raise you Luke Cage. Let us not forget that although Spike Lee, for some people, have had mixed reviews with Chirac, understandably so, because that is a very hot topic, The um, I think we all are allowed to make films and movies and projects that aren't always received well. But for this I mean, limited he had mixed films list, about doing the right thing, not the Right. So again, uh, Singleton, for his resume to be as short as it is and you to have fuck ups like Luke Cage, the Luke Cage that never was, because again, that was trash. We do have Spike Lee with a few films here and there that are not received well. But again, going back to Do the Right Thing, we have Inside Man, Jungle Fever. Although controversial, they may be. Going back to School Days, that was a film that he made coming pretty much straight out of Morehouse. That was essentially a student film that made it to the big screen. So that in and of itself in the 80s was damn good kudos to him. Now, you may say it didn't age well or whatever else, but it had a stellar cast. And these people continued on to show up in a make Gina. We have Gina, who also became Jay in uh well, my wife and kids. Like we so you have these characters who he stayed with who have gone on to do amazing things on their own. Singleton, again, yeah, how great he made, made his resume just does not compare to Ice Cube. I mean, he was all about at the police, at the police, and he made him into like where even Academy was like, okay, we see you, Ice Cube. We see you. We will be looking forward to you. Heck, they made, if it wasn't for Hustle and Flow, we wouldn't, the world would not know about Taraji P and how she is and how her world and how her, like, glow, her essence is really all about. We would have not known that Tupac had, like, a soft side, a romantic side. I mean, I'm sorry. It is not for John Singleton making human into these movies making people that we think are hard human, I don't know what it would be. And first of all, 
Luke Cage is not trash, okay? Now, granted, the little no, no, barbershop, everything, no, is kind of like, not Netflix, fuck, like, No, no, not, no, not Netflix's Luke Cage. The Luke Cage that John Singleton attempted to make, starring Tyrese, to which himself, he didn't even believe in Tyrese, saying he will definitely have to work on his acting and bulk up some. I'm speaking about the Luke Cage that John Singleton attempted to make that never came to fruition. I'm not talking about Mike Coulter. That is an amazing Luke Cage. I'm talking about John Singleton. Okay, I was going to say, I was going to say, because you got to throw it You got to, like, emphasize on it. Who directed Netflix's Luke Cage? I'm going to look. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, 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 shit. And I should know this. I'm going to look, I'm going to look. Yeah. Um, keep going, keep going. I'm going to say Chell Hadari Coker, and that is not it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> what were you saying? Miranda? I was saying, I was basically saying we see these basically angry people like Ice Cube. Heck, he made an actor out of baby, out of Tyrese and Baby Boy, okay? We love, we hate him. We knew that he was going to be something. We know that it was going to be something. He made sure that basically nobody was, oh, what was me? Oh, put up in jail or anything. Heck, he could have let baby boy go to jail for killing Snoop Dogg, but it didn't happen. That's how it is in the hood. He could have let you go to jail, but it didn't happen. That's how it is in the hood. He's basically the reason why... Snitching is never allowed anymore. We shut snitching down. And if it wasn't for him just basically putting a stamp on Boys in the Hood, he would have not been able to be a part or directed to Fast and Furious and make everybody still talk about that more than any other Fast and Furious franchise. Hell, F. Gary Gary Grace from... Straight out of Compton and from Friday would have not been a director for the up and coming Fast and Furious if it wasn't for John Singleton being the first one to be in the Fast and directing team. Fast and Furious is trash. I'll give him his <laughs> uh, credits and whatever for what he did at the beginning, but Fast and Furious is trash. Um, what isn't trash is it's not trash. Like eight, with, like seven, eight, nine. I'll give you that. But the second one was not trash. No, no, no. And, and that's what I'm saying. I'll give trash. you that it was because good. he did that. But, but what I'm saying is his legacy, the things no. that he's done, that hasn't transcended. It hasn't remained the same. Spike Lee has had his hands in every single one of his works. Period. She's got to have it on Netflix and with so a stellar picks. Stellar. Sorry, John Singleton. Okay, one more time. Your phone kind of broke up. I said, and okay. so has John Singleton. So has John Singleton in his films. He has been there day one. No, no, I get that. Film. I'm saying his but, resume is not as extensive as Spike Lee. Spike Lee has been able to play around with different things. Though, again, it may be controversial. His legacy is still intact. He's still holding black on to like, so mode John is not controversial. A black man chaining up a white girl is not controversial, let alone... Freaking killing Tyra Banks is not controversial. Let no, alone all that is. Having again, a white woman raise anything away from it, but again, Spike Lee has had a longer run and is still consistently doing things to the point where now we do have she's and got so it, John, which is and so producer, is John. Miranda, let him talk for a little bit. Like a bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So though 
Fast and the Furious 2 may have been great. It did not age well. That franchise is going in the toilet long ago. But you have Spike Lee, who has had these films like Bamboozle, like School Days, like She's Gotta Have It, like Chirac, that have had mixed reviews, but yet he still had his hands in it. He's a creative from one of the greatest HBCUs, scratch that, schools around. Again, his legacy living on, not just through film. We have She's Gotta Have It. Nola Darlings as, excuse me, uh, uh, the lead in this Netflix film, which now streaming services are all the rage. She's got to have it. All because my man John Singleton did Snowball first, and then Spike Lee. Yeah, that's, you that's, know what? Let's do it. Go ahead. Again, his resume is not as extensive. So that one show that he did, that's great. But we again, we have Miss Nola Darlings from She's Gotta Have It, which has been renewed for a season two, if I'm I don't think I'm mistaken, but I'm new for a season two. But all that aside, Miss Nola Darlings is now cast in one of the biggest roles that you can have. She's in a Marvel movie. She will be in Captain America. Excuse me, yeah. uh, not Captain America. Captain Marvel playing a role which is central to the film. So again, Spike Lee's legacy. Wait, who are you playing? Wait, 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 She's got to have. Go ahead. No, no, no. Who's she playing in Marvel? Yeah, no, no, no. She's no, yes, she's in the Marvel movie, which is Captain Marvel, and more than likely speculated that she will be Monica Rambeau, one of the Whoa. first black oh. superheroes from Marvel, who is a one who. In, may I add, if I can diverge a little bit here, the most agency field black woman in the Marvel universe, who has a mother, a father, a career, everything before these superpowers and shit. But I digress. Wasn't <laughs> she the original bad. Captain Marvel? No, no, no. She's supposed to be in Captain Marvel playing Monica Rambeau. Monica Rambeau. No, I'm saying Monica. Isn't Monica the original Miss Marvel? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, she is. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you, not only, and again, this is coming from She's Gotta Have It, a film that Spike Lee did so many moons ago, but you have this one black woman that has been the through line that now makes it to a Marvel movie. And looking at the success of Black Panther, again, this woman, Nola Darling, casted in this film from being in a show about a movie that Spike Lee put on years ago, like Snowfall, fine and good. Well, let's talk about Baby Boy, okay? We just saw Tyrese in Baby Boy as being the lovable loser. And then, to have him be the lovable loser, to then being the justice man for his mother's death and four, four brothers, and then become, like, this franchise player for Too Fast, Too Furious, to basically the whole Fast and Furious franchise, all from one film. Now, everybody can say it was from a Coke commercial, but don't nobody remember him from a Coke commercial? I barely remember him from a Coke commercial. Everybody was in touch with Baby Boy, okay? Was in touch with him, which led to him becoming this action-packed star. And it showed a range of Miss Janet Jackson being an actress from more than Penny being, no mama, no mama, on Poetic Justice. She was tough. She was confident. She actually made believe she was from the hood for a minute. All right, child. Miranda, closing statement. Closing statement is, John Singleton has been the heavy waiter, has been the injustice man for the hustler, for the go giver for all times with these films that I can name and so much more. Because it's not just the extended list that I named, but there's plenty of more. He should get his credit where credit is due. He's still going to strive to be the best. And I believe that my guy is just it. He's 
dotted line. All right, Ryan, what you got? Final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. Um, I don't know. Spike Lee has a extensive resume that may be a hit or miss for some, but has been more hits than misses. Um, the Best Man, Loving Basketball, Against School Days, uh, Bad, Girl Six, uh, Kings of Comedy, Four Little Girls. Like All in all, Spike Lee is a household. It's much like John Singleton, but Spike Lee is a household name who has been uh, pumping out content consistently for years. Not afraid to make mistakes, not afraid to shake shit up. And again, if you're holding the two resumes against one another, I think Spike Lee wins overall, hands down based off the sheer length of his resume and based off of the sheer impact and in 2018 from the movies that he's made back in the 80s and the 90s. Spike Lee for president, y'all. John Singleton for VP. That was... (laughs) That was a really good one. That was... That was really good and I'm actually going to get a point to Miranda because Miranda came... Because making Ice Cube into a serious actor yeah. is just yeah. giving us yeah. Taraji P. Henson and yeah. making these making these three dimensional human characters out of black people is, is there's really something to be said for. And there really is something to be said for that Oscar nomination for. Uh, boys in the hood. The youngest black man yes, to be out yes. there. Yeah. Man, when she said he made Ice Cube an actor, and I was like, Look, oh, look, shit. again, clutch my pearls again. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and Taraji. John Singleton gives us Taraji P. Uh, Henson. And you know, I was pissed when you said Taraji. Oh, <laughs> shit. I, I was talking we about We knew Taraji <laughs> from Baby Boys, but the world knew her from Hustle and Flow and from singing at the Oscars. What woman can do that? I mean, that mm-hmm. that's the gift that keeps on giving. Yes. That, yes. that is, the Taraji Branson is the gift that keeps on giving. So thank you to John Singleton. And thank you to both of you guys for doing this with us this month. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to go ahead and let y'all plug y'all stuff one more time so y'all know where to find Miranda and y'all know where to find Rain. Miranda, where can they find you? You can find me at Station Theater. That is 1230 Houston Avenue on every other Friday with my group, Whiskey Belly, and also at the New 90s Kid on Instagram. And, you know, just check your girl out. Yeah. Rain, where can they find you at? You can always find me at carefreeblacknerd.com, also at bynkradio.com, on Twitter at carefreeblurred, any other social medias at carefreeblacknerd, um, talking up all the black it is, most people of colorness that is comics and representation in comics and related media, such as a John Singleton movie or a Spike Lee movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, Ryan. You won. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you, and thank you so much to Miranda. You put up a good fight, and at times had me sweating, and I had to, <laughs> I had to try to go into my my charm bag of tricks and try to, try to win you out. But thank you so much to Miranda as well. You were a great opponent. She's like that every thank fight. You. Yeah, she's like that every fight. <laughs> love it. it I love and it. And it comes in and takes the gloves off immediately. Um, <laughs> but thank you again to both of you. Congratulations to Rain and Carefree Black Nerds. And we hope you guys tune in with us next month when we'll be talking about stoner movies in 420 for April. And we will see you guys next time.
Bye. Uh, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>